are recording, what, three hours after the game finished. How are you feeling about the derby? Pretty f***ing good. <laughs> You're editing the show this week, so you've got to bleep yourself out now. Yeah, I'll, uh, I may may well do that, yeah. I, I may just bleep myself out with Manuel Pellegrini's post-match interview. He was a bit sad, wasn't he? I feel a bit sorry for Pellegrini, I quite like him. Is he still in the job as we speak? <laughs> as far as I know. He's like the last term president, isn't he? He is dead man walking, lame duck. Has anyone ever let, as a collective, let their manager down more than the Manchester City players have let Pellegrini down? I suppose Manchester United senior players last season and David Moyes. Well, and, and Manchester City's players under Roberto Mancini last time they won the title. <laughs> Let's just get in the digs against City now. I mean, it's good, isn't it? Because they've beaten us four times in a row. So uh, you've got to take it where it comes. And uh, that was a proper smashing today. I'm pretty giddy about that performance, really. Well, you're, you're, to be fair, you'd be giddy against about a 1-0 away at Torquay United. So levels of giddiness are probably, you know, Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory giddy. <laughs> It's my birthday tomorrow as well, so I've had quite a lot of chocolate today. The first 10 minutes looked like, well, it did look like Moyes was back. It, it, you know, the only kind of redeeming feature was that it took him like eight minutes longer to score than it did at the last well, derby. Yeah. Um, well, they were, they looked like they'd been, you talk about performances of teams that have been cheating their managers. They really looked like they'd been cheating their manager for that first 10 minutes, didn't they? They did, yeah. I mean, they couldn't have played more Ole football if they'd said Ole every time they got the ball. <laughs> I mean, they pretty much were. They were yeah, waving the red flags around and walked the ball into the net. I thought we were in for a real drubbing after about nine minutes because City suddenly looked on it and United were nowhere. But that was about it from City. Say for, a, you know, maybe a five-minute spell in the second half when they, they suddenly got into it sort of earlier, I mean, you know, around the 50, 60-minute mark, and then then that late burst. City just weren't in it. United completely dominated every area of the pitch, and especially in midfield where we said they would. It's amazing, isn't it? After the Tottenham game, United completely dominated. After the Liverpool game, apart from a few bits of craziness, United completely dominated. After the City game, United completely dominated. It's The transition that has happened to this team is absolutely remarkable. It's categorical. It's definitive. The team from before the Tottenham game to now looks like two different teams. It looks like... And and we've got enough evidence now to start saying that this is this has been sustained over a long period against tough, very tough opposition. Yeah, it's clicked, right? It has clicked. But it's all observational because if you actually look at the data, uh, United are winning games. United were winning games. United get a lot of the ball, keep a lot of the ball. United kept a lot of the ball. United are creating sort of ten to fifteen chances per game. United used to create ten to fifteen chances per game. So it's it, it's not one of the things you can kind of explain explain away by suddenly they're more effective. But the style thing is remarkably different. Uh, moving the ball quickly, pass and move, uh, look creative, look like a team that's exciting to watch, as well as winning games, scoring goals. Um, so it's uh, it's night and day over the last six games, uh, six six victories in a row now. United, the uh, the divisions form team ish sort of. Aside from Chelsea and Arsenal, yeah, forget forget about them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, completely different. I guess this is the philosophy. Yeah, and and I mean, I think the only the data points that have improved a lot are individual performances. Like the the top performers in United side have been consistently putting up better numbers than they had done in the previous games. If you look at all that stuff forensically but you're right in terms of those big numbers it's not changed but everything looks different doesn't it it's he's 
achieved this remarkable balance where you have this ridiculously high-quality, silky right-hand side and this ragtag bunch of scrappy underdogs outperforming anyone's expectations by miles and miles and miles on the left-hand side. Young and Fellaini totally bossed Man City. <laughs> like, how... You would not have had them as the Derby Day heroes, would you? But no. Young got man of the match, thoroughly, thoroughly deserved. Fellaini, super, super effective. I mean, I have consistently poured scorn on the notion that somehow Fellaini could be our Yaya Toure, but he played him off the park today. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that one, but they, they weren't anywhere near each other, but... They were. A lot of the time, Toure was, like, trying to mark Fellaini, just couldn't cope with him. Yeah, not not quite. But anyway, look, the, the point being, Fellaini is not Yaya Toure. They're never going to be the same kind of player. Fellaini's stats today are really, they're just funny, you know, he's 70% pass completion, the guy can't pass, uh, one shot, scored with it, no chances created, no assists, but he was incredibly effective and won nine headers and and got into the right positions uh, and, you know, he's part of a trio of players on United's left-hand side, Young, Fellaini and Blint, who individually, I, I have to be honest, I just really don't rate any of them that highly, I mean... Blint is the best of the lot, if I was just to say objectively rating them. Uh, and I'm not sure I rate him that highly. But together, they are they are massively more than the sum of their parts at the moment. It's a really effective unit. Um, and say for, what, the first five or ten minutes when Navas got past Blint a few times and, and Blint looked like he was running in treacle, all three of them were completely dominant. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this just before we started recording. I, I rate Blint higher than you do, for sure. One of the things that I think he has going for him in spades is footballing intelligence. Like, it's very clear that he has that kind of deep understanding of the game, that which is why he can adapt to so many positions and, and kind of play them to a pretty high level. Mm. The style is definitely suing him, isn't it? That's for sure, because we've got so much possession and he, get, yeah. he gets to be a supplementary left-sided forward a lot of the time yeah I mean I have to say I, I think as a defender I, I would like to think if I was the opposing manager I'd work out a way of you know exploiting his weaknesses and it and it is pace mainly but also use of space um, as a midfielder well just ask yourself this question would you rather have Blint or Carrick in that holding midfield role because I'd have Carrick every single time Let's let's not turn it into a rant about Daily Blint. Let's talk about Michael Carrick for a second because he was outstanding once again at the base of the midfield, controlling until he started limping around, controlling the midfield completely. Uh, yeah, phenomenal performance uh, from him, and he's absolutely thriving, isn't he, in this role, which is just lovely to see. Well, he, he's he's so good at the moment, Carrick, that uh, City tried to man mark him. <laughs> That's funny, wasn't it? I was a bit worried about that might maybe working, but Milner didn't quite get to. It didn't quite pay off, did it? And eventually, like Milner was just sat too deep to help out defensively a lot of the time. Indeed, if only character was ten years younger. Uh, I, I'm not, you know, honestly. I, to come back to our, our previous debate, I, I'm not sure that Blint will mature into that kind of quality of player. But, but I'm, you know, I'm here to be proven wrong, and uh, you know, I hope he does. Um, I, I, I think, I personally, I think Van Hal will look to look to get a higher quality midfielder in the summer, and Blint will be a very, very useful utility player in the squad. Maybe so. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I would have picked Carrick as going on to have the kind of career he's had at the age that Blint is. 
Um, maybe, but I don't know. That's that. Maybe, maybe it was more evident, and I just wasn't paying close enough attention. To go back to Young and Fellaini, as you say, like Fellaini's passing still all over the place, but it was so effective in that weird role that he's playing of midfield target man. And Ashley Young was just superb, and his passing's also really wayward. But that's fine, isn't it? If you're a left winger, you're allowed to have wayward passing. But he created two goals, scored a goal. With kind of, he got very lucky, obviously, with that goal. Um, but that moment of fortune, he capitalised on it brilliantly with the kind of three hundred and sixty spin and and realising where the ball was quicker than anyone else and and dinking it in the back of the net. And that totally changed the game. I mean, United got really lucky because it was quite fortunate that De Gea even got to the ball because it was part. It was still happening in that period where United were really vulnerable and the through ball nearly got through. I, I'm not sure who was chasing it. Maybe it was Aguero. Um, but De Gea got to the ball and just hoofed it long and it basically bounced in the net with a bit of help from, from Young. And, and then the kind of ridiculous stuff, the ridiculous derby cliches, passion, spirit, team spirit, fight, all that kind of stuff. United just had it in absolute spades. Belief, as soon as that goal went in, it just never looked like there was going to be another winner. And, and when Young set up Fellaini for that, for United second, just, it just feels like watching a different team again. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure that we need to resort to, to the cliches really of sort of belief and passion and fighting spirit and all that kind of stuff. I think it was just an excellent performance, you know, and that's that's enough for me. But yeah, of course, you know, they, they, they seem to believe in themselves now. There's there's loads more confidence. Uh, the ball zips around uh, the pitch much, much quicker. They everyone seems comfortable in the formation in a way that people didn't feel comfortable in the formation when United were playing a different formation every week. And they're not now, right? Six games in a row playing this formation, uh, six victories, or, you know, they're, they're about the same formation. Um, and it's, it's, a, you know, it's a completely different team. And I think we can especially say the last four games, because Sunderland and Newcastle, there were some few promising signs in that time, but that wasn't what's happening now since the Tottenham game. Yeah, that's the turning point isn't it it is yeah and i mean united are still they're still a pragmatic side in a sense that they they play to the opposition and and this is you know van hull's game management uh, he's a brilliant tactician in game um and today united you know found the weaknesses in in city's formation played a lot of long balls today up to fellaini and and he won them all of course mm-hmm. w- worked out that that was a weakness of city especially sort of company and demichelis demichelis being a terrible defender and company being in very poor form at the moment and then targeted the fullbacks who are not the best in the air, either of them. Zabaleta is a fine, fine player, but he's never going to beat Fellaini, is he? It's a, it's a complete mismatch. And, and so United play a lot of long balls down the channels, actually both channels today. But it worked. Van Gaal outfoxed Pellegrini. United played much, much better. The, the kind of performance that we were hoping from United that we've seen in the last few games we got. Mm. Um, and City, after that brief 10-minute spell, resorted to sitting it up as they have been over the last sort of six or eight games. You know, you said there's no need to resort to the cliches about passion and team spirit and all that stuff. And and I know what you're saying, but actually the the truth is there is there's a reason those things become cliches and partly it's because it's convenient copy. But also there is some truth to the importance of intangibles in football and the the truth is this is a team who intangibly are enormously stronger than they have been in the past that you know that 
I think if City had been on top for another 20 minutes, they might not have been able to overcome that from a mental strength perspective. Although they did right back earlier in the season when Robin Van Persie got that really late equaliser against Chelsea after Chelsea had kind of really dominated a lot of that game. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think there was a, a, a show of collective will on top of just some excellent football. Talking of excellent football, Juan Mata's goal was, unsurprisingly for me, a particular joy. Gary Lineker tweeted, very clever finish from Mata, know your keepers. And it was, he just exploited Hart's kind of tendencies beautifully with that. Because there's not a lot of United players that you would have backed to find that finish in the same way that Mata did, I don't think. The typical finish from that the sort of inside left channel would be to go hard and low across the keeper and take him much earlier than Matter did. And, and uh, yeah, you, you certainly in that split second think that he'd blown his opportunity by taking it so close to the keeper. But, of course, yeah, Hart, who spreads his legs frequently, and uh, Matter put it between them. <laughs> yes, he did indeed. Lovely to see Chris Smalling getting a goal. Just, just great. Mangala's positioning. Oh, that was like... You, that's really properly like schoolboy stuff in a very literal sense of if you ever want to teach defenders how to behave at set pieces. It's inexplicable decision making. So just in case you have not seen replays and stuff of this, Mangala is the furthest defender away in the line. He's the, the, he's the last man in the line. He's the one that's supposed to kind of be setting the positioning. And just before the free kick's taken, he just takes four steps forward, plays the entire United line on side when there was no pressure on him whatsoever to do that. And Chris Morning gets to completely unmarked, knock the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, uh, United who rejected an opportunity to sign Mangala in the summer because they felt he was overpriced. Gout's being proven right there. Yeah, absolutely. Herrera had a quieter game. Um, it, this was all about the left-hand side rather than the right-hand side that's dominated the last... But a very effective Herrera today. Yeah, quieter. I mean, obviously he didn't score two goals, but very, very neat with Massa, who was, Massa was excellent again as well as the goal. He was very penetrative in his passing. Although, I have to say that Antonio Valencia behind him didn't help much by just launching the ball into the channel all the time. Not exactly Massa's strength to chase balls into space. No, it's not. But Tony Valencia, is he good? Is Antonio Valencia good right back? No. Uh, oh, okay. I just, I'm just concerned I might be wrong about this. Yeah, yeah. No, and I may have deceived you. And he, he did all right today. He actually, he was pretty strong and uh, actually won one brilliant piece of covering. Although, brilliant piece of covering or terrible piece of positioning because he played, he played, was it Navas? He played onside when he was like five yards deeper than the rest of the United defence, but then covered brilliantly. So, so no, he's a terrible defender because he doesn't know how to play the position, but uh, he's quick uh, and he's strong and he's hardworking and he does Sounds ridiculous. He's a winger playing it right back. He does try to contribute to the attack. <laughs> he there's something um there's some sort of perfect symmetry though uh, synergy rather of playing him with Mata and Herrera because if there's any combination of players where you want one of them to just kind of give up and knock it simply to one of the others that's like fine. It's always an upgrade when Valencia gives the ball to Mata or Herrera. So that kind of works out pretty okay for him. They can they can uh, cover for his creative weaknesses somewhat. The centre backs did a decent job all game. I thought after the first few minutes, Phil Jones still looks terrifying whenever he does it. You know, there's always that sense of something bad about to happen. But generally, the whole back four did okay. I thought. 
Yeah, it's a, a little surprise to me. It wasn't a surprise that Smalling came back into the side because he has been excellent. Uh, we had that debate last week about who we think was United's second best player of the season. I still think it's Carrick, but Smalling wouldn't be far away. Uh, and again, very good today. Uh, but I was a little surprised that Jones was retained. So I thought Marcos Rocco, who had a, a very, very good game last week, might uh, might get the nod, but he didn't. He came on later in, in the game, of course. It's interesting if you look at the data. Phil Jones's numbers are really good this season. Like uh, defenders, it's kind of weird, but th- because I think that's less statistically well analysed, isn't it, than forward play? We've talked about this a lot, but like, he puts up heck of numbers when it comes to tackles and interceptions and clearances and all that. Yeah, that's because he throws himself at them all the time. <laughs> you you can't put a number on decent positioning no. and, uh, or brain deadedness, and unfortunately, uh, Jones suffers with t- those two. I mean, yeah, look, it's a real shame because I think he's got all the tools, and and maybe he's still what twenty three. Mm. I don't think Rio Ferdinand was the full package at twenty three nope. by any means, right? So there's there's still, and there'll be a few people chuckling to themselves with the comparison. The point being, there's still plenty of time for Jones to fulfil that potential i think he's got lots the problem is he doesn't feel like there's any kind of momentum in his career but van hal trusts him clearly because because rocco could have played today and and i agree with you on on any kind of properly zoomed out scale but if you zoom right in the last four weeks he's been good and consistently good for the last four weeks this is as part once united have been a functioning whole again you know he has not been bad in that time so maybe just maybe he will get a bit of an uplift from the overall kind of momentum that there is around united at the moment because there definitely is some i mean that tough run of fixtures is almost over and we've just beaten everybody well true yeah i mean we'll come on to chelsea in a bit because it, it does get a little bit tougher next weekend. And, and then, of course, Arsenal, who won eight on the trot, uh, the second to last game of the season, I think. Um, so definitely a couple of tough ones now. But United don't need that many more points nope. to guarantee Champions League football. In fact, I think to guarantee third, United might need only like 10 points or something like that. So it's it's looking very good. You know, Arsenal wobble a little bit as they uh, want to do this time of year. And United could well lock in second. I think the title has gone clearly <laughs> i mean if chelsea had not you know won it late um this weekend against qbr then we might we might be going uh, maybe but uh no no but you know second is nowhere but second is everywhere for united given what happened last season mm, absolutely and you know there were lots of i think I mentioned it on the podcast there was a a really good tweet that was going around about how if United win all their games between now and the end of the season they'll finish second and at the time that seemed like a completely ridiculous proposition but so far since that was discussed we have in fact won all our league games you know because this run of six wins also had a loss in the middle of it didn't it just conveniently ignored because it wasn't in the league but yeah we just we just keep winning um whether or not we win against Chelsea now it's amazing because you say guaranteeing Champions League football but how many points are we currently ahead of Liverpool it's quite a few right yes and and there's something like a 30 point swing from this time last year to this time this year that made no sense at all but something like 30 points uh, from United from Liverpool to United so yeah plenty of points ahead of Liverpool now so I think it's, I think it's 12 yeah we- uh, and 
And, and so, yeah, Liverpool are not going to catch United and, and Southampton are probably not going to catch United either. Uh, and, and so I think, you know, fourth place is definitely locked in by now. It would take something catastrophic and, and obviously United are in great form, so that doesn't seem likely. But third place makes a big difference, as we discussed last week. It does. And, and that's why today was so incredibly important because, you know, we'd lost four derbies on the bounce. I don't know how many derbies we've lost at Old Trafford on the bounce, but it feels like... Are really a lot and the one game we did beat them we needed that last minute winner we haven't battered City for a really long time so it was absolutely huge just from that perspective and you know this is the, the Van Gaal versus Moyes comparison can very quickly be put to bed by looking at the results against Liverpool and Manchester City which is ridiculously simplistic but hey it's also part of a, a bigger picture the other thing that's so important about today though is just those points like took those points off City got them ourselves ever closer to that third place and and guaranteed Champions League football next season because Mm. the playoff is not easy it's not a guaranteed place is it no no could get fourth in the Spanish League or something like that Uh, final point on uh, Moyes versus Van Gaal and of course it, it is ridiculous to compare seasons because so much changes, but uh, there were all those uh, tweets going around earlier in the season comparing Moyes' record to Van Gaal's record, and Moyes had more points than Van Gaal at some point. Yeah, United got 65 points last season. That's how many points United now have. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, there, there's um, there's the improvement for you. Um, although it's, it's all come in the last six games, right? And um, if United had a patchy record over those six games, as had been the case sort of in the autumn or something like that then then we'd be talking very differently but but it's all clicked united are playing great football and and it's it's finally a joy to watch absolutely and it's the the vanguard click right this is far from the first time this has happened to a vanguard side in fact this took an uncharacteristically long time to happen and i think there's lots of reasons why that might be the case and i think probably the biggest one of them is he spent simply too long trying to accommodate all his best players uh, at the expense of the team, which is a sort of fairly unvanguard thing to do. But that's clearly what he was trying to do for a long time. Uh, Van Persie's injury, Falcao's complete collapse of form and Di Maria's suspension were a perfect storm. Yes, who'd have thunk it, hey? That's, that's, that's £130 million worth of talent right there. Not in the team, and United are better for it. Absolutely, and and of all of them, you kind of only really think that Di Maria is going to be around. Well, maybe not around, but would improve this team next season. Although, would United have been any worse today with Robin van Persie up front instead of Wayne Rooney? Aha! Well, after all the positivity, half an hour of of uh, positivity, we've got to bash someone. Come on, um, United's worst player uh, by some distance, Rooney. There's, there's, there's a caveat here. It was a great team performance. So, you know, I don't feel like inclined to, to bash Rooney too much. Wow, are you feeling all right, Ed? This is, that is how much the derby affects you. Yeah, yeah. Wolf, oof. God, can we re- re-record that one? I feel very inclined to, but no. No, no, I mean, he was he was completely ineffective. But, you know, I just don't I just don't think Rooney's had that good a season. But then again, I can't remember the last time I did think Rooney had a good season. So uh, either I am completely biased or he just doesn't have that great a season and puts up some numbers and his numbers aren't that great either this year. I mean, it's three, but he had, he had three good games in a row when he first went up front and now he's had three bad games in a row interspersed with an absolutely world-class goal in the middle of it, you know? 
know, almost literally exactly in the middle of the three-game spell. Terrible against Liverpool, pretty dire against Villa, apart from the one massive, massive, vital, crucial caveat that he scored a completely Pelé-esque goal. Um, And uh, then really terrible again today against City but it didn't matter and United as a whole were superb and we brushed aside City like they weren't there we may have aspired to their level uh, this time last season but we've left them aspiring to our level this season which is a very nice change of pace I'm sure you'll agree and talking of you guys and agreeing uh, or more likely not agreeing uh, we've got some rank cast questions are you up for some of them Ed? No, no, because uh, they're all terrible. Go, go, go ahead, go on. What, what have we got this week? All right, at Caddy says, is Lash- Ashley Young the greatest player ever, or is it Ander Herrera? This is a very good question. I think only the next few years will tell. At Nasha underscore Hassan says, which English city or town should we rename after Ashley Young and why? Yeah. Stevenage, right? That's where he's from. And, yeah, well, yeah, completely nondescript. Yeah, something suitably nondescript. Well, you know, maybe, I don't know, Liverpool. Oh, what about, I, I feel like we should find a town that is consistently punching above its expected weight economically. I don't have the data to hand, but we could find one, I'm sure. You know, one that like really overperforms expectation based on its population or whatever. Yeah, okay, Rankhouse listeners, tell us. Vote now. <laughs> For what you want to be named as Youngie Town. You could call it Youngton if you want it to sound like a proper town, but I think Youngie Town is more appropriate. Youngton. Youngville. <laughs> Youngingham. Asheville. Uh, I'm sure there, there probably is an Asheville, to be fair. Yeah, it might be, but it totally works. Um, at Dave Webb 101 says, could we win the league next year with no additions to the squad? That's a very interesting question. I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to say, Ed. I, I think probably not. I mean, United are going to have the extra burden in the Champions League, at least six games. I hope we're not as dire in the various cups next season. So there's going to be quite a, a quite a heavy burden compared to this season. Um, of course, we had a massive injury problem uh, in the autumn, didn't we? You kind of forget that now, mm. but um, the squad was definitely stretched. No, I, I think we need some quality additions. Um, I'd be really surprised to see United... So you take this form, you play it forward, then you go, yes, of course, United can make a title challenge. But I don't think United will win the title with this this squad. But there aren't that many additions needed. I mean, I, yeah, I think we spoke about many of them last week. A right back's really important. I would bring in an, ex- an experienced centre-back, although right now, Smalling, Jones and Rojo looks like a, a very good trio, doesn't it? Normally, Smalling and Jones can't be relied on to stay fit. Uh, and and then some mu- muscle in midfield, yeah. And and a winger wouldn't be bad, but it's working for United right now. But it might not work quite quickly if Ashley Young reverted to old, or or um, or we had an injury or two. I mean, on Young, we've we've talked about it somewhat jokingly a lot, but his form has also been extremely consistent all season to the extent that. I'm more inclined to put this down to coaching than some sort of freak of form because it's been happening for a long time in a few different positions in a number of different ways. And I'm not talking about him being the best left-sided attacking player in the world, which you could potentially see, say, Di Maria as being on his day. But there is a level of consistency of performance that means I, I, I can't see Van Gaal looking back on this season thinking if I've got limited budgeting resources, I'm going to invest them in an upgrade on Ashley Young. No, but there's no one on the right-hand side that's equivalent. Nope. So, I mean, t- typically in a Dutch 4-3-3, they'd, they'd want some pace out on the right-hand side, yeah. or he would. 
and United can't play in that system. You, you're certainly not going to put Tony V out there, are you? I mean, his his form as a winger over the last five years has been dreadful. Five years. <laughs> Maybe that's harsh. Yeah, there was that one season, wasn't there, when he won Player of the Year? Exactly. I mean, so you're hoping that Adnan Yanazai finally gets a look in. I mean, there's press reports this week that he's he's off. So uh, who knows? That would be such a shame, a player of his immense talent. So I, I think there is a bit of a gap there. Um, Di Maria, and it kind of kind of depends on whether he stays it seems like it seems like he doesn't want to from those in the know and and so united would pr- presumably reinvest a, a very large fee in a, a similar kind of attacking player but I, I think there's a gap there um it wouldn't be my priority i'd i'd fill in from the back so i'd say right back center back central midfield and then right wing in that order yeah absolutely <laughs> some some rank ass bashing coming up now I find it funny, says at Salil Fatak, that most players that are hated on the rank cast are doing well, and most players that are were loved are not in the team. I take profound issue with, first of all, the hate part. I don't hate any of the United players. I find Fellaini particularly frustrating on his day. But first of all, Rooney, terrible, still, huh? There you go. That's proof of nothing in particular. And secondly, players that are loved not in the team. Have you not seen, heard, read me talking about Juan Mata and Ander Herrera? The most beautiful thing that's happened to Manchester United in my lifetime, as far as I can work out. Come on. (laughs) Come on. You can lose an argument by overemphasising. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Salo's talking nonsense. Yeah. Not, Not for the first time, mate. At Duke underscore says, please spend some time on this week's pod telling us all how Young and Fellaini aren't United class. Hey, I've put Young over all season. I've been bigging up Ashley Young all season, so I'm not having that. But uh, I, I still maintain that there is a there's a better way than Fellaini, but I'm not going to not enjoy him while he's playing brilliantly and making a huge difference. Talking of which, at the daddy says, are we obligated to like Fellaini now? No. <laughs> I, I I maintain that Young and Fellaini are not really United class. I mean, it, it is definitely working for United. These, the sum is greater than the parts. Uh, would this win United a European Cup? And that's got to be the aspiration. Yeah, absolutely. And the answer is not definitely no, I would say. I don't remember the last time a, a long ball side won the... Uh, not that United are a long ball side. Not that can, United are a long ball. You can lose an argument by overemphasising a point, Ed. <laughs> I don't remember too many European Cup winning sides, Champions League winning sides for your younguns that have have won it with the long ball. (laughs) At SKT1994 says, with us signing Herrera and Mata recently, who else of De Gea's mates shall we sign in order to make him stay? We tried to get Thiago, didn't we? And uh, they put the kibosh on that. I wonder when, if that's when the uh, difficulties in contract negotiations started. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of uh, centre-backs at Atletico Madrid might not do too badly at United. I don't know where these friends with Godin or uh, Miranda. Godin being the the better of the two. I'm sure there's quite a few of that Spanish under-21 European under-21 winning tournament side that uh, De Gea's mates with and they're probably all really good too. At Trafford says, who's the greatest player in the Premier League? The answer to which of course is, it's you Juan Juan Juan. It's you Juan Juan. Daily Blint's hair says Ali, Ali Hud 42 addressing the key issues of the day. Doesn't react well to heavy rain. Thoughts? I respectfully disagree and think that the drowned rat look has a certain charm to it. 
It doesn't, and uh, it does. He does look like a, a drowned rat, and uh, it kind of spoils the boy band looks, doesn't it? <laughs> I, I think I actually got some support, funnily enough, in social media for my commentary about Daily Blint's hair being a bit meh. I think that you also got some people saying that that was one of the more ridiculous things they've ever heard in their entire lives. So sorry, you're, you're breaking up, mate. <laughs> Break breaking up. At It's Ellie says, I've never had a question answered on the Rankcast. What's the best music to cry myself to sleep with? I think the 1950s Calypso that we start the show with, right? That seems appropriate. Yes, or if you just want to have a good laugh, play Blue Moon. At Hader underscore S23 says, with a goal against City after a brace at Anfield, has Mata merited a statue outside Old Trafford? Not yet. When he does, though, I hope his arms are outstretched, ready to receive hugs. That'd be amazing if that became a thing. Friend of the Rankcast at Jack K. Holt says, What are your feelings? In caps locks. That was about 10 minutes after full time. My feelings at the time were extremely positive, Jack, as they still are. Loads and loads and loads of questions about Fellaini and, uh, and Young and... Uh, final question from aka uncle aka uncle Stephen. would friends have been better if ross and rachel were played by Mata and herrera no because they're very good footballers but i'm not sure they've got the comic chops required to pull off uh the pathos and humor that was contained in those memorable first early seasons of friends meh <laughs> seems like a good way to wrap up the uh the questions phase and look forward to uh, what we hope is not the kind of latter series of friends the kind of plodding slightly predictable not so entertaining fair that was on show in that period and we hope to find some sort of good performance against Chelsea you reckon it's coming well recent form suggests so I suppose uh, recent form being excellent from United problem is Chelsea are also in pretty good form you know ominous really uh, they function just really well, just feel like a typical Mourinho side, don't they, uh, at the moment. So I, I'm not sure, even at United's best, that we can say that uh, United definitely going to Stamford Bridge to get a, a, a result out of this one. But couldn't be in a better shape to do it, you know, given where we've come from. So uh, maybe, and look, there's a big bonus that Diego Costa is unfit, so says so Mourinho. Uh, and that's a massive bonus for United because he's been extremely effective this season. Mind you, if Jose says it's pasta, you look under the sauce, right? <laughs> if Diego Costa was seen uh, walking around with you know two broken legs in plaster, it might be a ruse. It might just be. Although Mourinho probably doesn't need to pull elaborate ruses at this stage of the season because they're kind of sleepwalking to the title. You say they're in ominous form and they're certainly in ominous form in terms of they're definitely going to win it because they don't drop very many points but they're hardly in ominous form in terms of their performances on the pitch needed a late winner against QPR needed a late winner against Stoke were absolutely gifted that one so the last couple of games they've hugely underperformed and and I suspect they're definitely going to need to step up their performance levels to beat us I'm I'm not saying they won't do that or they haven't got it in them because I'm sure they do have but if you took the Chelsea side of the last couple of games and the United side of the last couple of games we'd definitely be favourites Yes, but it's that sleepwalking thing. I mean, they haven't lost in like, like a couple of decades, have they? <laughs> when, when's the last time they actually lost? I can't remember. They lost in the cup to Bradford in January. And that definitely had the feeling of them not taking that very seriously. So uh, I think they can go up a couple of gears uh, and I expect them to do so. I mean, it doesn't mean that United can't or won't get something out of this game. And could well go to Old, uh, Old Trafford, could well go to Sanford Bridge and win. Definitely, definitely possible the way United are playing. 
But this is the best team in the league. The league shows that they're seven points ahead or, or whatever it is. They've they've been the best team in in England this season, and you'd kind of expect them to give United United's toughest game of the year. Absolutely, um, and the the fact that it's at Stamford Bridge, I think, is really significant because I think Old Trafford, I'd feel a lot more confident about this, and even though. I think we could do something and I think if we play to our potential and we do what we've done in the last few games, it could be a really fun game this. The the one thing that's lovely about this game is how relaxed it feels. It feels like a free hit because we lose this. There's, you know, as long as we don't get hammered or get injuries or get suspensions or like uh, have a kind of confidence shattering performance of any kind, the result is pretty, we're not going to win the league, right? It's pretty cursory which way the result goes. Yes. Um, I mean, you're right. I think it doesn't actually, it probably doesn't affect United's final league position or performance, uh, final league position, this result. It's one of those ones that in the old Sam, big Sam methodology is this is like a bronze game, isn't it? So it doesn't matter so much. But, you know, I suppose, I suppose it could be tight between third and fourth still and, and a point would make a big difference. But it's also about that momentum thing, isn't it? You know, if United, lose at Stamford Bridge that's another marker down saying that United are some way behind and and United are some way behind the league uh, table says that but um it would yeah maybe maybe think about this in positive terms a victory or a solid performance at Stamford Bridge would mean an awful lot coming into the last few games of the season and the start of next season yeah absolutely Chelsea's reliance on Hazard has reached like an epidemic proportions at the moment. He's cost of being out is obviously good news for us, but nothing like as good news as it would be if Hazard was out because he's the one that sustained his form through the winter and through the kind of Fabregas and Costa drop off. Oscar's been a total passenger all season, and it's interesting. Can't help thinking that Marino made the wrong decision when he picked Oscar ahead of Mata. I mean, I do like Oscar as a player, but um, you're right, he's not had his best season. I think he's got an awful lot to offer, has Oscar. Uh, Fabregas, well, he's come back into some form in recent in recent weeks, I think. Uh, he definitely had a, a kind of strange middle of the season, didn't he? He's putting up the numbers, but you kind of look at his performances and think, hmm, not sure that this is the Fabregas of old. But Costa's just extremely effective. I, I wrote a piece at the beginning of the season for, for another website, where I, I managed to successfully contradict myself by both predicting that Costa would be the league's top goal scorer and that he could be the biggest disappointment of the season if it went wrong. Because, you know, it was, there was something in me that wondered whether he, was, he would be a one-season wonder because you look at his history and he didn't really achieve an awful lot for much of his career and, uh, and he's really only come into the kind of world-class status over the last two or three years. Um, but he's been very, very effective even when he's not performing that great. And they have looked generally quite solid at the back, although even that started to shake a bit. For a good portion of the season, Terry and Cahill were definitely the first choice central defensive partnership, but that's been mixed up a bit uh, in recent weeks. And they have threatened to slip up. And the one little bit of optimism I have about this is it's quite difficult for teams to go from sleepwalking mode to right now we've really got a proper game on our hands mode. Because one thing's for sure, United won't be overawed by this trip to Stamford Bridge. United should be going into this with absolutely bags of confidence. After the Derby, after Liverpool, after Spurs, you know, it's been it's been a heck of a run. I mean, it has all happened at Old Trafford, I suppose. Except, no, of course not. The Liverpool game was at Anfield. What am I talking about? So, you know, yeah. they've done it at home, they've done it away. They've 
beaten all the teams that were supposed to be really tough to beat. So they, they should they won't be afraid. No, they won't. Uh, I wonder what the mentality will be, though, because earlier in the season, Van Hal definitely had his team playing in a in a slightly different way. I mean, United just haven't been very good on the break all year. Not really the pace in the side um, a lot of the time. And, and, and away from home, that lent it to United being extremely slow and sitting deep and and struggling to to impose themselves on other teams, you know, e- even in some games where United had a lot of possession, it was all in the wrong areas. Um, so I kind of wonder how United will set up. It's it is different now. United can feel freer to to attack, but the the thing that worries United in some areas of the pitch is pace defensively, definitely, and so that will be interesting because Chelsea do have pace, um, maybe a bit less with Costa absent, um, so that's a challenge, and then the other challenge of course is that in in Matic uh, they probably have the, the league's best sort of all-round or defensive midfielder um, and he's definitely going to get more control of that area than, than United um, managed to grasp off City today Yeah, absolutely, Um so I guess it's time to make some sort of prediction for this game. You said a draw in the City game. I said a 2-1 when neither of those were particularly close to being accurate, were they? That's the uh, pound bet club down to £10 in profit then, Ed. Uh, yeah, nine nine fifty. 50 uh, Yeah, although I did win on the uh, the horses this weekend. Did you? How did you do that? Well, on uh, on the Grand National. But like, what, what was your methodology? Did you look at form or did you just pick one with a name you like? Yeah, it, it looked. It looked. Yeah, some good colours. <laughs> um, all right. So I know nothing about horses. Talking of scientific prediction mechanisms, I think we're going to draw two all with Chelsea. I, I'm going to pick the team with the colours I like. <laughs> that's, that's red. Hashtag Manchester United is red. No, Manchester is red. Yes, very nice tweet from Daily Blint after the game. There, good, good boy, good boy. No, I'm. I'm going to find it hard to predict a win for United here because I think Chelsea just don't lose at home, basically. And uh, so uh, let's say one all. Okay. Let's let's be positive and say one all. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've said two all, but I I won't be completely shocked if we beat them, I have to say. But yes, on that note, I think it's time to draw an end to another episode of the Rankcast. Not too many more of these left this season. If you want to get in touch to, I don't know, just like if you if you do get in touch, please don't just go, oh, you're wrong about this. It's fine. We're wrong about stuff. It happens. Um, you're allowed to disagree. At UTD Rantcast for me, at United Rant for Ed on the popular social networking platform, twitter.com, facebook.com slash United Rant. Read what Ed has to say on United Rant. You can read what I have to say on the Bleacher Report and my new column on You Max It Football, uh, which I was all lovey-dovey about under Herrera last week. Are you maxing it? I'm trying to. I'm setting up a rival site called You Smash It Football. Would you like to write for that? No. <laughs> Would you smash it? Ed, you shouldn't be quoting Richard Keyes. He's a very, very bad human being. Indeed. I think that's most of the ways you can get in touch with us. You can um, contribute to the show uh, at unitedrant.co.uk slash donate. Uh, this is a donation where show that currently does not provide advertising to your ears. So uh, if you would like to try and keep it that way, that that's a good way to do that. Oh, yeah. The other thing is if you could subscribe in whatever podcasting software you use. So that's iTunes or one of the many Android podcatchers. Just subscribe. And then when we come out at weird times and on weird days, you can... Uh... Android? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, dear. Oh, come you, on. You, you think we're low rent here, Paul? Listen, Please. the Android Please. platform is a very good platform for telephones. Uh-huh. Anyway, yes, all of that. Do it. 
hopefully you enjoyed this week's show. Uh, hopefully it sounded better than last week when I forgot to turn my microphone on, which was rather dumb. Hashtag schoolboy errors. Talking of schoolboy errors, that was Mangala-esque. It, it really was, yeah. I have turned it on this week, peeps. You see, everything goes wrong when Tom, our producer, goes away for work-slash-holiday reasons. It's not good. Uh, come back, Tom. He might be back next week. You might get to listen to a, a proper-sounding podcast again. Very good. Well, in the meantime, uh, enjoy your week uh, in whatever office you work in that has Manchester City fans. <laughs> Take it easy, folks. See you next week. <laughs>